Green Side, the IGA podcast. Also, Mike McCoy, the 2013 USA. Johnson, now a two-time major champion after becoming the winner of the 144th Open Championship. Uh, before we get started, I just want to remind our listeners that we did record this episode back in late December before Bill retired. At that point, we are still in the stage of trying to perfect audio levels with our microphones. So if the audio is a little low, just turn that volume up a notch and we'll be good to go. Welcome back to our discussion with Bill Dickens. Uh, Bill, I, I get a chuckle just when we think we've seen it all or heard it all. Jamie Blackburn will stop into the office or we'll see him on the course or something and uh, he'll have a story for us. The problem with Jamie Blackburn's stories is only about the guy trying to steal his dogs or something. <laughs> you know, just leave it at that. I mean, all you, all you have to, you know... If you see Jamie, ask him about that. Is that one of his dogs actually jumped in the guy's car and then Jamie actually reached over and pulled the guy's keys out of the ignition and threw them up into the park where they were at? I mean, it was just one of the funniest freaking stories I've ever heard. Because the guy thought he was stealing the dogs. They were his dogs. But he had the habit of letting the dogs run in that park while he'd sit in his car doing emails or or talking on the phone or something. You know. I don't know. Yeah, some, there was some weird, some weird assumption there, and, and the detail that Jamie gave to that story and the telling was just beyond almost anything. It's just like so you can't retell it with any detail. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, if you, I'd like to just mention that uh, you know we had a pretty, pretty wonderful run of presidents. I think in my term, they're they're your partner in running the association, and uh, but especially. Uh, Jamie stepped up when we had some controversy and gave us some good leadership even before he was president. But, you know, I have to mention Leroy Oxley uh, as somebody who made a big difference to the IGA. Uh, I mean, his he's probably put in more volunteer hours than anybody I know because of his leadership in the course rating area. And uh, that was something that we were sorely in need of when I came here. And I remember when I met Leroy, and he had just moved back from Arkansas. He would retired at a fairly early age, and he said, well, I've been rating courses for the Arkansas Golf Association for 10 years, and I'd like to get involved here. And I said, well, that's a good idea, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> you know, And I immediately made him chairman of the course rating committee. <laughs> and uh, and uh, his leadership in training other people, because our goal was to create teams in all four corners of the state. And then Leroy led this super team out of Lake Panorama, where he had about eight or ten people he could use for course ratings. And he went to the calibration seminars and participated and excelled and came back and helped us teach the seminars. And, and then uh, he was also... Uh, the president for the two years when he really started to develop the relationship with the Iowa Women's Golf Association and started having hosting an intern for them, managing an intern for them, and then uh, you know, and then he was followed by Joe Keo. I think I got him in the right order. I'd leave somebody else. Uh, 
I mean, I also want to mention Ron Van Busker, my good four ball buddy partner, uh, because he stepped up when, when, uh, his predecessor had to resign, uh, for personal reasons. And, and so he served an extra year and, and he was a tremendous, uh, in his own quiet, self-effacing sure. way, a uh, great leader. And then was, was Joe? So it goes, Rostrum was yeah. before, and then Ron Van Busker for that extended, and then Leroy, and then Jamie. And then Jamie and after Leroy, Joe, yeah. And then it's Joe and Tom. And right, so, right. So, so yeah, Jamie was in between Joe and Leroy. Yeah, and, and, and then Joe, he was just the right guy at the right time with the right skill set. Joe was the president when we when we merged. Merged with the women. And he yeah. carried that off, uh, but Joe also helped us with surveying our membership, you know, because of his background as a as a newspaper guy and as consultant for media, that he knew how to put together surveys and he knew how to read surveys. He knew how to interpret surveys and he really helped us a lot to uh, do a lot more to identify our membership and what who who made up our membership and I think that helped us long term in our services to the to the membership. So uh but but certainly uh, Joe and Carol Deathrow on the women's side uh, were incredible to work with, and we were fortunate to have, I was fortunate to have all of the documents uh, that Jim Demick from Florida gave me about their merger, and I, you know, I didn't invent, invent the wheel, I just, I just uh, altered it enough mm -hmm. to fit our situation. And uh, that all went pretty smoothly. You know, we had to do all the legal stuff by the state, you know, to merge two of some two nonprofits and everything. And it, it was uh, it was a great thing. But Joe really uh, managed the, I guess you'd say, the politics of it. You know, the, and, and was very. Uh, I think he made the. the the gals comfortable, the women on the women's board comfortable with what we were doing. There were a couple of, wouldn't call them old outs, but skeptics of the older, older group that, uh, but when it came down to a vote, it was unanimous that, that we were going to do the merger. And, and I think that was a huge step forward for, for amateur golf to unify the associations and, and just work for everybody. And, uh, it's kind of funny when I when I think about your tenure, you kind of have these benchmarks in a way, and one of them one of them is the merger with the women. Prior to that, one of them to me is the Hall of Fame revitalization, right? Yeah. Oh six. Um, talk a little bit about that, maybe, and, and who kind of helped spur that on? I know there's a couple people involved in it. Well, well you know, it was a, it was a curiosity to me when I got into the job and that they hadn't inducted anybody since what was it uh, 1998 something like that yeah. you know uh, maybe it was 96 I don't know if you had to look it up yeah. but, but uh, Jill Blackwood and um, Rob Pomerantz both and it was really based on that they had people they wanted to see get into the Hall of Fame so they nudged me. They kept nudging me, and 
frankly, the first time it was on our agenda to talk about at a IGA board meeting, it really didn't get that warm of a reception, is my recollection, that I had to kind of push it. You know, I had to say, this is important, and, and we need to do this. And, uh, I mean, if you get Jill Blackwood after you, you're going <laughs> to freaking do something, or, or you're going to take the heat. And uh, she made that, bless her. Yeah. So I don't remember all the details. Uh, we had a little bit of a go around with uh, with the Iowa PGA leadership over who would make the selections or how the committee would get made up. But through my attitude was somebody had to take charge of it and make it their project on behalf of everybody else. And that's what we always preach every Hall of Fame induction. This It's not the Iowa Golf Association Hall of Fame, which is a very common mistake even in the media that people keep calling it the Iowa Golf Association Hall of Fame, and it's not. It's the Iowa Golf Hall of Fame. And so that, that first induction is really memorable because it was uh, Dr. Ed Updegraff. It was Bill Byers, the superintendent for Des Moines Golf. It was Annie Griffel. Uh, it was Bill Rose, who was the person that Pomerantz was so interested in getting in. And then it was uh, Bob, Bob Moreland. Yep. Yeah, Bob Moreland. And the Updegraff couldn't make it up here from Arizona. And George Turner was actually in Arizona at whatever event they go to. Was it the Senior Challenge? Senior no, Challenge, I, I think, was down there at Tucson yeah. Country Club, which is yeah. up to Graf's home club. And I hadn't totally understood that George Turner, I didn't really realize until later, until George Turner was a radio TV professional. He did color for Iowa State basketball, and I heard some recordings of him later on. I said, God, he was really good. I wish the commentators today would would describe things in as few words as George described things, you know, that it would have been, a, it'd be a lot better. But, uh, so, 2006, we didn't have Skype, we didn't have Zoom, yeah. we had a telephone <laughs> and a speaker phone on the front of the room with almost 200 people in that big room at Wakanda, the panorama room or whatever they call it, and, uh, and a microphone. And a microphone, and right on time, the phone call comes in. George Turner interviews Ed Updegraff from 1,800 miles away, or whatever the hell it is, 1,500 miles away. Went smooth as could be. And, you know, it was fantastic presentation of and, and talk conversation with, with Dr. Ed, who I subsequently had a chance to meet and play around the golf with at Tucson Country Club a few years later when he was 90 years old and uh, shot 88 <laughs> uh, and he was disappointed. But uh, uh, I just remember when that phone call ended and the next introduction started, I just went in the back room, sat down in the back row and just almost melted with relief. You know, I thought, <laughs> This is actually working very nicely, you know. This is going to be okay. And and uh, and then of course by the end of the night, we just had so many people 
compliment the event and how great it was and so happy that we got this going again and we've had one ever since until COVID year. Until 2020. Yeah, you know. Long, but, but, and they've all been memorable in their own way. Class, at least every year. We just haven't, you know, we haven't managed to get the induction you know, squeezed into 2020. Yeah, we've had some very memorable speeches. Um, Ivan Miller with the... Well, players. I was going to get to Ivan. He's fairly later on, but I mean, I can remember almost feeling like I needed to get the old the big hook out for Jim English. Because yeah. I think he carried on for quite a while. Uh, but some really great speeches and memories. I mean, Moreland's line about that he played for a couple of years, he played almost every day with Lee Trevino and every day with the American Mexican Mexican American War. <laughs> 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 and and uh you know that was one of my favorites. But uh yeah, the all time favorite was when Ivan Miller Describe the one event that that your first place could be well, and that that by the first tee they had pigs in a pen next to the first tee, and the the first prize was either a gift certificate or you could pigs. You could pick a pig. I yeah, and 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 Ivan's line was, "We never took the pigs." <laughs> 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 and uh but no that the the Hall of Fame definitely I mean the pride I have in just the what we've created with it here. And we had a couple we don't get many walk in guests, but we had a couple last week and I was really kinda of thrilled by it. You know, yeah. well, I didn't know this was here and they spent a half hour or more looking and remembering people they knew that were up on the wall and and so it's worked out well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, most of the people who see that are the board members or committee members who are coming in for a meeting and they'll sit out there for 15 or 20 minutes just looking right. at all the flags. And then, of course, you know, probably the, or certainly top five, but maybe the number one event is the Zach Johnson event. Oh, yeah. Uh, because we, we uh, the committee, but I think with our nudging, made the decision early on that a when is Zach turned 40 yeah. <laughs> 2016 so he's eligible at age 40 and then we sort of said we ought to just do him by himself you know with yeah. what he's achieved now especially that he was the current open champion and so the committee decided to forego any other voting and just uh, induct Zach and then we talked to the people at Drake and we went over there and visited with them and they had that beautiful setup up there yep. in the in the big in the room that could accommodate three hundred people in the up above the yep. gym, up above yep. the nap in the nap yep. center. And you know, I was I was nervous about that one, but you know, Zach's agent uh, Brad Buffoni yep. uh did a great job being the liaison with with us and setting it all up because we really didn't talk to Zach until the day before the event, you know, and uh, didn't see him until the morning of the event when he came walking across the gym floor with uh, Ben Pettit, you know, uh, his old teammate and friend, and, and uh, came up and we introduced everybody, and uh, then 
What made it even extra special is the PGA Films decided to come and do a documentary, which we have about a six-minute uh, video of that. I hope that um, people should look at that. That's uh, I go back and look at it. I'm, I have a little cameo right at the very end where, but you know, just the whole event, getting the people seated. We we, we discussed. We had some ideas and settled on the idea that we'd invite Larry Gladson and Mr. Cobb, is it? Pat Cobb. Cobb. And then one of his teammates, it turned out to be Neil Johnson, Johnson, to have sort of a panel with Zach and then have Rick Brown as MC and as the world-class journalist he is, uh, do the interviewing and lead the discussion. That all came off, but, you know, the highlight of it all is when Zach walked in the room with the claret jug in hand yeah. and walked up to the stage and set it down right in the middle of the stage. Yeah, and everybody said, "Good evening," you know, yeah. and everybody like, could go take a picture with it. Or and then we all got we all got to hold it. We all got to get photos with it. That's pretty pretty strong memory. And that, of course, I don't think we've had any event that in my tenure here that got more just compliments and just well, that's just one of the greatest nights of my golf memories is that that night was and Drake was a tremendous partner for for the whole thing they took care of the food Brady Randall I think was the guy yeah they took care of the the arrangements in the room and the food and uh, it was it was really special and they've all been special but that one is obviously because of Zach's status in the world of golf a two time Major champion, future Ryder Cup captain. You know. Uh, yeah. So the Hall of Fame revitalization, the merger with the women. Another big one in my mind was the, the uh, formation of the IGA Foundation in 2011. Yeah. So we're taking those a little bit out of order, but uh, that was a big, that was a big piece that you put together. Well, and you know, just in in, in trying to be chronological, you know, we had dreamed up. I say we, but I guess it was mostly me that dreamed up the the concept of Golf House Iowa because in 2008 the Otter Creek development was being redone and the Otter Creek course was being redone and we thought we might have an opportunity there uh, but of course our timing is immaculate as it always is. <laughs> we hit it right when the economy crashed and so it just wasn't feasible to raise money and uh, the board, we our other major priority was to secure our scholarship funds because they were lagging, and so we wanted to focus more on raising funds to the for the scholars for the, at that time the Sani, but it, subsequently for both the Sani and the Gripple scholarship programs that we run, which is another one of my pride and joys. I think we've done a tremendous job making that, and then we got that was with the obvious lead of Steve Germeyer, we got major contributors, contributions from the Coppolas and uh, secured that. But uh, what was the topic? <laughs> the, the foundation. foundation for me. The development, yeah, you know, that was um, I, something that I, you know, people ask us what we do in the wintertime. Oh, you must have a lot of time off in the wintertime. Well, that was one of my wintertime projects. You know, I started conceiving and Mostly, you know, my philosophy is it's 
you know, that success is 90% imitation and 10% innovation or inspiration, one of the two. And so I had pretty good models for what a foundation would look like. And of course, we already had one that had been developed with the Iowa PGA, but it just didn't have definition of leadership and with things that passed there. And then Troy Christensen, who was at the Iowa PGA at the time, we I remember just one watershed conversation where he just said, well, we kind of want to form our own foundation too. We just think that'd be better, you know, because it's, it's a question of who controls so that all fell in place, and we wrote the paperwork up, and I didn't have to create a lot of new language or, or anything, and Mike Luma was our legal advisor on that, because Mike, as an attorney and as a member of other foundation boards, and has been involved in this stuff for a while, and he read through it all for me, and, he, and we tuned it up, and I remember, I'll never forget, because I just always chortle about this is that Mike said, don't worry, he says, you'll file it and they'll send it back and they'll be something you'll need to correct or fix or change or whatever. And so I bundled it all up and shipped it off and it wasn't more than six or eight weeks and we got back the approval. No <laughs> request for changes of any kind. I just called Mike up and I said, say what? <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm, maybe I should do this for a living uh -huh. or something. I don't know. <laughs> but that was that was a good that laid the groundwork for the whole. You know, got the scholarships grounded along with you know when we took over management of the Sani tournament and made it an IGA championship or part of our program and made the Coppola connection by starting to play every other year at Echo Valley. Uh, it expanded the scope of all of that, and they gave us a, a major amount of money. And then we were able to, I think, raise our profile as an organization in things like turf grass support and support of the of the superintendents and junior golf. You know, the Iowa PGA, when the, the thing split before I came here, they basically laid claim to the junior tour and have made the Junior Tour one of their cornerstones, and we've always just tried to support that. And then we were able to support things like uh, the youth on course and the swings for kids yeah, or something like that. Yeah, schools slash Dalton schools, yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff, and do some some small grants, but, but well-placed grants, I think, to support junior golf stuff. And so I think that just raised the identity of the IGA in so many different ways and sort of gave better shape and form to what we are and what we do. Well, and just just to make it better for our donors too, right? Because they, they were now giving to a 501c3, which I know itemizing <laughs> your deductions was a lot bigger deal yeah. a few years ago, but you know. That, well, that back in the early days when I didn't totally understand that stuff and I we were telling people their donations were tax deductible, and and uh, Jim Mitchell, the chairman of the signing committee, kind of whispered in my ear, "Well, not really." <laughs> I mean, what do you mean? Well, we're not really a, a, the proper 
And that that really is what triggered. Well, well, then we better get there. You know, we we need to get that done then. So yeah, it has been better for our donors too, and and we've certainly been blessed with a lot of donors that have stepped up with some some pretty good chunks of support at various times, and I think we will have more in the future. Uh, you mean we, you, Chad, got the Golf House Iowa project, you along with Steve, and a, a, again, another uh, pledge from the Coppola family out at Echo Valley, mm -hmm. and of course our timing is immaculate, because then <laughs> the COVID economy hit, yeah. so, you know, yeah. who's going to raise money for something like this? at this time you know but you've started that your research on that your uh what do you what do you call it feasibility study your fit we'll be doing one of those well that's really a really smart move too that's just uh that's the best the best way well you need to see if it's possible basically i think but what a feasibility study does for you is also make that initial contact with those with those potential larger donors in a non-ask environment as as Gambiani would say I think you know you want to first approach them and talk to them without asking them for anything but asking them if they would consider this under certain situations yeah definitely exciting times ahead for the IGA uh, we'll pick back up with more discussion with Bill next time on Greenside the IGA podcast